0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 113th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Unlo. Today we've got the duo Shane Spiegel
1: and Dan Siegel. They both started as producers and then quickly became a writer-producer and a director-producer, and now they're working together. They've got a brand-new show called Junk
0: Drawer Magical Adventures. It's a TV show, a universal kids TV show. But what I had the most fun talking to them about is actually a bunch of prank shows that they did uh, before they did this show, and it's pretty fascinating, and it kind of made Matt and me get really excited about prank shows, which usually we are not that excited about. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like there's a period in every digital
1: director's life where they end up shooting a lot more pranks than they were planning on. (laughs) Talking with these guys, like they have a really interesting take on what makes a good prank and how to shoot them and uh, made Orna and I both like kind of a little jealous, a little nostalgic of the the good old prank days. We dig in on that. And then we also talk about taking a web series, a kid's web series and turning it into a TV show and all of the crazy adventures that they have on making a, a giant series like they
0: did. Yeah, it's a really fun conversation. But before we get into talking to them, Matt, what have you been working on lately? Yeah, so I am uh, knee
1: deep in prep with my wife on her feature, which has been really fun. We uh, read a bunch of actors this last weekend. Oh, cool! We're doing um, all sorts of fundraising stuff. So, you know, it's been like I said, it's been really great. We're kind of in the the tricky parts of prep that you know maybe you don't read as much about, or you you know no one mentions in an interview or even on a podcast. And so there's been a lot of education that's been happening. Um, but it's, uh, getting realer by the day, which is nice because, you know, it's a real labor of love and anyone who's made a feature before knows that like it's an uphill battle. We're still a long way away in a lot of ways, but also it's becoming more and more immediate, which has been, uh, awesome. Well, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Oren. Yeah. What have you been working on lately?
0: So I'm working on the same two things. I'm about to start prepping this pilot, Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but the production company has done all unscripted stuff. And this is their first scripted thing. And today I was talking to the EP and he said, one of the people that I will have as part of the crew is the AP. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, awesome. What does an AP do? Yeah. (laughs) I said, is that like the line producer? And he said, no, we have a line producer. And I said, okay, so what's the AP do? What would you say the AP does since you just did a bunch of unscripted stuff? So I just did a bunch of unscripted stuff. And so...
1: Or do you know? I mean, maybe... I have a vague understanding, but um, it felt to me like a little bit of script supervision. supervision. So the AP is associate producer? Associate producer. So it felt like they were a combination of a script supervisor, because we didn't have any of those on set, Um, a tiny bit of story producing... And a little bit of like coordinating,
0: producing, producing. Right, like pulling permits, making mm-hmm. sure locations yeah. are... Yeah, to me it seemed, the way he described it, almost like a production coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just for our But with a little bit of story to them as well. Right. He yeah. kind of referred to her as like my right-hand person on set and before set and kind of like my my person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm... i, I It's funny because he had like so many camera people and like one gaffer budgeted. And I was like, okay, we don't need three cameras and three ACs and all these digital people. It's a scripted show. And a lot of, a big part of the show has the actors talking to camera, which automatically means you can't shoot three cameras at once or else two of the shots are useless. So I convinced him to go down to two cameras and move all the resources from that third camera to lighting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, that was fun. And then... For our listeners, I just want to make sure, in case you don't know, an associate producer on like a feature film, uh, usually, right, the joke is it's someone that associated with the producer in some way. Uh, so it's like someone that got you that band to give their song to your mm-hmm. indie film or they got that actor to read your script. Uh, it's a very different type of credit than it is on TV. It tends to be a more important credit in TV than in film. Um, yeah, Yeah, it's almost... It's the difference between like a special thanks
1: and uh, real work.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this show. It's starting to kind of ramp up and become more of a reality than it was a week ago. That's exciting, man. Um, cool. Before we talk to Dan and Shane, um, we wanted to just remind you guys that we have a Patreon. Patreon page uh, is something that lets us uh, have our listeners help support us if you're interested in doing that you can give uh, a few cents per episode and it just helps us put on more events pay our editors and producer and just uh you know provide a few more resources for the show so if you are interested in checking it out go to patreon.com slash and we've already had a few patrons and it's super exciting so thanks guys thanks everyone now
1: let's hop into our conversation with
0: dan siegel and shane siegel We are here with Dan and Shane. Thanks, guys. Siegel and Spiegel. That's right. Do you guys ever go by that?
3: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we have. I mean, it's at, like, the top of our pitches is our name. You guys sound like an
1: old-fashioned songwriting (laughs) duo. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're wearing cardigan sweaters and you're going to pitch Walt Disney. on.
3: We do get it, like, when we've pitched, we've gotten, like, are you guys related? And then Dan will very deadpan say like that's not how names work
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Siegel and Spiegel not not the same name (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) but we do get that uh joke like in every pitch
1: sure I feel like you guys should own it is what I'm saying
3: we really should
1: like get. wouldn't it be incredible if you had t-shirts or like buttons and then people make the joke and then you open your button up and it says Siegel and Spiegel no
3: I I would be 100% down
1: (laughs) i feel like i'm down i feel
4: like what's weird is that we've already like done gags like that where we've like made our own t-shirts just for events i I guess it's We 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 went and saw the greatest showman recently and we made these uh t-shirts that said hugh jackman you jackman and it just had like a picture of hugh jackman's face and we wore that to like an opening night screening of the greatest showman
0: (laughs) where do you guys make your shirts
4: uh one hour one tea hour in Eagle t- Rock. Yeah. 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 Our customer uh oh, are you Laura Ortiz like told us about it.
0: So you go there and you get a t shirt in an hour?
3: Yeah, and they're like pretty down for like a random joke. They're like uh-huh. they're they're into it. Wait, and
0: how much does that cost? It's like Twenty bucks,
3: yeah, it, it, no more than twenty bucks a shirt, something like, like that. Like
1: enough where you can do a stupid joke, yeah, shirt and it's not a big
0: deal, yeah. yeah. Jokes for upper middle class people, yeah. There, you go. <laughs> <laughs> or twenty bucks is not a big deal. Um, cool, that's awesome. Well, so you guys uh, are a writing directing duo, or have yeah. you have you always been a duo? Or tell us so, a little bit about what you do and where you come from.
3: So on this show, we wrote the show together with a few other, you know, there was a room. but we On wrote the show
0: the sh- that we're that you guys are doing now. Yeah. For Universal.
3: For Universal Kids. Um, yeah,
4: the show, it's called Junk Drawer Magical Adventures, and it's basically a spin-off of a web series that we did for DreamWorks TV, which is like DreamWorks Digital, their YouTube channel. So it's an expansion of that web series, TV shows called Junk Drawer Magical Adventures, and... Yeah, basically Shane is our director um, along with um, our buddy Justin Rager, who's co-directing with Shane. And then um, I'm one of the writers along with Shane and Justin, and then I'm also like a creative producer on the show.
3: Yeah, and on all of our projects for DreamWorks over the past like two-ish years, I think, um, that's kind of been the situation. Like Dan and I will pitch the concept and come up with the idea we'll go write it together dan will take a a good amount of the lead on the writing and then when we get on set he's now a creative producer and then i'm directing
4: with a co-director
1: um, sounds like a great job that sounds awesome you guys
4: yeah no for me it's really fun cuz like i don't really like uh directing but i um <laughs> i i enjoy uh getting to he likes to see the director's through. chair yes. <laughs> he likes like sitting
3: behind monitor and giving notes
0: wait can we dive into that real quick why don't you like directing
4: i i um i've been fortunate to have opportunities to to direct in the past and i um i mean i think that to direct is a lot of pressure and um i think that when you're a director you really need to have like a a certain singular vision um and know exactly what you want to get and I, I, feel like I'm more of like a, a creative collaborative person. I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can be indecisive to a fault that I don't think is good for a director. So I don't know. I have been lucky that with, you know, Shane, we've found like this working relationship where I can be uh, creative and, um, basically just be sort of like a creative support.
3: The, it, it's kind of like an amazing opportunity to have, because we will have, like we had on the TV show, but also Dan will be a creative producer on like the small web stuff we do for mm-hmm. DreamWorks. And it's been like, a it's been really amazing because I can, we can write the scripts and then I can storyboard with the DP and shot list and, you know, talk to wardrobe and all, all these things, right, that like a director has to do. And all along the way, Dan's like picking up the pieces that I'm dropping because I'm forgetting like, Mm -hmm. you know, like like a wardrobe thing of like, oh, I I thought the wardrobe looked good. But Dan remembers, oh, in this episode, one of the characters doesn't feel confident enough to wear that Mm -hmm. thing. Right. Or little things like that. Dan can like be picking up along the way or or thing. And then when you get on set, it's like then there's as a director there's like a million things coming at you at all times if you can give just a few of those decisions to someone else it's great mm-hmm. and and because Dan's with me from the start of the project it's great i can just throw him something i mean the biggest thing we threw him was the magic tricks on the show like we have two we teach two magic tricks every episode and we perform like another two maybe three magic tricks
1: throughout the episode and it, it, just to kind of give people some clarification it's like when you say junk drawer magic you mean kind of like DIY around the house magic so it's like here's how to do a trick that'll impress your friends but with stuff that's in like your junk drawer pen. Yeah.
3: yeah so we're basically like we have these magicians who are sort of like writers with us and they're taking like very classic magic tricks and then
0: like making the Statue of Liberty disappear.
3: <laughs> uh, while that is a classic, walking um, through the Great Wall of China, <laughs> we'll do like the we'll do a trick like a card cutting through your arm or you mm-hmm. know something like that. And it's like, okay, how could a kid build that without buying a magic kit? How can you just like find stuff around his house and like build that trick? Um, uh, and so that takes a lot of time. It takes like workshopping with mm-hmm. the magicians, workshopping with the kids practicing the trick with the kids making sure it's right for camera all those things are so intensive Mm -hmm. I was able to that's a big thing that Dan took like right away which was just like supervising the magic tricks even that then like they get on set and it's like oh they're ready
1: (laughs) and Dan you have a background in magic right
4: I have no background in magic I am uh, a former balloon twister balloon twister (laughs) no so so it's sort of I I lump all of that
1: stuff in I'm sorry but it's fair <laughs> they're
4: totally different things 100 yeah, yeah. Well, different but I like thought you were a in the same school right <laughs> definitely yeah i feel like the nice thing about uh doing balloon twisting is you know pursuing film it always feels like when you're a kid it like seems like a pipe dream and like having like the balloon twisting as like this skill that i could always fall back on <laughs> as like giving me this confidence that like everything will be fine like If you don't make it as a filmmaker, you can just do balloon animals. And now that I also am learning magic, I feel like I also juggle and I'm just like a triple threat for kids.
1: (laughs) To clarify, you guys, when we talk about balloon twisting, this is like the most legit balloon twisting you've ever seen in your life. Like for college humor, in a previous life, you would do like balloon twisting challenges where you would make you made a toilet. I remember that. I did Darth
4: Vader reading a newspaper on a toilet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's, like, <laughs> not almost life-size, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like some big, fancy balloons.
3: <laughs> I will say, working with kids, you know, all of, pretty much all of our shows over the past couple of years have been with kids, and sometimes we're working with really young kids, like a four-year-old, having a producer who can juggle, do balloon twisting and magic tricks, sure. you can get that four-year-old to do whatever <laughs> shot you need. <laughs> <laughs> they are mesmerized by
0: Okay, so you're so you don't have a background in magic, but you are you understand that stuff and
3: we had to learn a lot about magic for the show. We've like
0: well wait, how did you guys pitch your first show the first junk so store, magic
3: we actually we kind of inherited the show basically, I was on contract at DreamWorks digital, and two magicians came in with this idea <laughs> uh you know, they just, a puff of smoke <laughs> sure. came and they <laughs> showed up and they were like, we have a show. I uh, no, they can't, they knew like our, our boss and pitched the show and I had like a directing position there. So it just sort of happened where they pitched the show and then I started direct writing and directing it based on the magic tricks and the concepts that they'd create. Um, and we've done over 150 episodes as oh, of wow. now, it's been a lot. Wow. Yeah. Of, of the YouTube of show. Of the YouTube show. We've done over 150 episodes. and It's
0: more episodes than just shoot it. <laughs>
3: um, it. Yeah, I mean, we at DreamWorks Digital, we were doing like a bunch of things knowing that there was always a chance that we could package one of them into a TV show. So that was <laughs> always the hope. And Junk Drawer Magic seemed to be like the show that had the best chance because... We were doing these magic tricks, but at the front and back end of the show, we were putting these narrative elements and,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and we were, it's a hosted show, but we kept on, we treated them like characters and like the types of characters they are. We have these two kids, Walker and Akira. Akira loves blood magic. She loves stuff dangerous. She loves more like sorcery type stuff walker is the he's squeamish he likes more the corny joke the the corny magic tricks the like thumb removal stuff Mm -hmm. you know so it just seemed like you could pitch that as a show and we Mm -hmm. always had like the tv pitch in our back pocket whenever the opportunity was ready um
0: and was dan on the dreamworks show
4: he
3: came came along late late, but yeah i think like maybe 50 episodes and so i i don't know when
1: but eventually you only have a hundred episodes under your belt (laughs) something like that
4: what's been cool though is like we um have gotten to work with akira and walker over like many years so Mm -hmm. coming into the tv show with like two leads who we already had like this great working relationship was a really cool thing and they built a really natural chemistry together too from so much work yeah we started
3: when they were 12 and by the time we shot they were 14 yeah. yeah and it's great like a lot of the kids we've worked with we've
4: started they're like
3: between nine and 12 and then as they grow up you then have like the best shorthand mm-hmm. you could have sure
1: they don't know how to like do long
0: division but <laughs> <laughs> how do you um like cast could, like how do you find good kids
3: it's really hard uh but a lot of it's just watching tons of stuff and hopefully you see one and then uh, obviously we do casting breakdowns and stuff but uh I mean the thing is you're like casting it's not like casting adults where you're like oh they'll you know they'll yeah they're this type of person but they can play all these characters mm-hmm. you're kind of casting the kid that you should be as close to the character because it makes them so much easier for them right like right, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't have
1: any training or anything to speak up right like yeah some, they have yeah. some maybe but some of like- them
3: have none like we um you know, we did a long prank. We did a, before this, we did do a, another, we did a prank TV show for, um, for a can, a Canadian, uh, distributor did not air in America. We wanted two leads to be like the kids pranking people. We pranked them out. Like we shot at universal studios and, and city walk. And we had these kids pranking like random people. They've, I mean, you can't find a nine-year-old prank star. They they don't exist. <laughs> sure. right. We basically had to like take them to the park and like teach them how to walk up to strangers and like mess with them. And Wasn't there sim- a series
0: <laughs> on YouTube called like Prank School or something? Do you know about that? Uh, I think it was a pretty big. Was there maybe a? lawsuit? I feel like yeah. anytime there's a YouTube prank series, it ends with a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. With like the social services coming yeah. in. Or like, oh, you yeah. can't launch your kids off the roof, dude. <laughs> We've gotten away with some pretty insane
4: things and the first show that um, Shane and I did together was called I Pranked My Parents and then it was like packaged for that Canadian network you were mentioning, Shane. Um, so the very first thing that I got to do working for Shane was just like writing these pranks that would shoot at Universal City Walk and I think like the very first one I pitched... The idea was that it was, like, one of those carnival booths where you, like, take a ball and you try to, like, throw it through the hole. And we had um, our actress, Izzy Newman, um, get, like, a, uh, uh, like, this prosthetic bump on her head. And then she was <laughs> hanging out behind the carnival booth. So kids would throw the ball and then you would just hear this little girl go, ow! And she would, like, come out from behind it and be like, why'd you just throw this ball at my head? And, like, kids were, like, freaking out. And the joke was, <laughs>
3: like, she'd be like, all right, give me 20 bucks and I, I won't call the
4: cops. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, we've had another prank where um, one of our kids was like running through City Walk with like a sledgehammer um, and a straight jacket. Or he, 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 he was going up to people saying he was practicing a magic trick while wearing a straitjacket and asked people to take off his straight jacket, and no one wants to take off the straight jacket. And then after they did, he would run away, saying "I'm free," and then
3: and then nurse a nurse would come up asking where her patient was that he had like escaped, and that's like right when they like stopped believing the prank. But then he would come out with like a sledgehammer, chasing a few kids <laughs> and like trying to swing at people. Yeah,
4: I watched the video on YouTube and just don't know how we were allowed to do that. Like, how yeah, that, that
0: sounds but not crazy. a real sledgehammer.
3: No, no it but- was a fake. Sl- yeah, it was like a. It looked very real, uh, but it was. I guess foam or something right. like yeah. that
0: yeah wait and that, it was all hidden camera yeah and how do you get away with that do you just blur everyone's faces are there signs that say by entering this area yeah
3: we had so I mean we have signs and also things get a little tricky where Universal Studios and City Walk are private property so mm-hmm. the releases are a lot easier you don't have like it's not like filming on hollywood boulevard or something because they're entering a private property but yeah you have to put signs up and stuff
1: universal is kind of the best place to do prank stuff it is the best because the amount
3: of freedom you have is awesome
1: and and control like they'll turn off you know whatever sign or music or whatever it's all zoned off have you done yeah yeah i I tricked some people into thinking that they broke babe ruth's (laughs) Louisville slugger. (laughs) Oh yeah, I remember that video. That was great. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah, it's a great
3: place to film. And then we, the more we filmed, the more friendly we'd get with people where all of a sudden like we knew the people who worked at like Hard Rock Cafe so we could shoot off their balcony or, you know, we could start filming in like the, the, the amount of the park, the park would open up the more we filmed there. They'd get like more comfortable with us. Employees like knew the kids and stuff. The first few times we did, we had the cops called on us like a lot. Because they were like intense pranks. And then yeah, sure, and then the cops stopped showing up because they knew what we were
0: doing. Like, how are you hiding the cameras?
3: Um, there's a lot of balconies at City Walk and in the park. Um, there's a ton of balconies and just uh, like
0: really long zoom lenses. Yeah.
3: And we're using doublers on like a 200 millimeter lens. Um, and, and then we also have GoPros everywhere. What we have learned, we did learn that. At at places like CityWalk and Universal Studios, you can get that camera pretty close and they're not going to notice because there are cameras everywhere. I mean, it's like tourists everywhere. And we're generally for pranks shooting on like 5Ds or GH4s or something like that. And kind of looks like a regular camera. Some stuff where I really wanted to get really close, I would even be like right next to the prank shooting on my iPhone to get like one extra shot. But I mean, generally we're up high shooting down with like 5Ds with like some doublers.
0: And the audio is being recorded on the prankster.
3: Yeah. So the yeah, our kids have lobs that pick up the pretty well. You know, we we never had an issue with that. And then I'm usually I'm usually like hiding pretty close, but next to the sound mixer, so I can because I'm in the kid. They're like nine, so I'm in their ears talking to them and stuff.
1: As they go through it. It, It's funny. It's been a long while since I've done something like that. And you're making me very nostalgic for it. It is pretty fun, right?
3: Yeah, I love, I had never shot a prank before I started at DreamWorks a few years ago. So I, I did not think I would love it. And I, I mean, we did a, we did a big prank thing that took us all over the country and it was awesome. I I miss, yeah, it's so much fun. It like feels like an improv scene yeah. but you're also directing.
0: Right. But it's not scary at all. Like, you're never nervous that a prank's not going to work. Oh, or it's you're terrifying, get but that's kind of part
3: of it, right? Like, yeah, it's terrifying because you know you don't have another take a lot of the times once you get it wrong, it's like, okay, it's wrong. Or if you're shooting at CityWalk, you're waiting for people to come. Right. Well,
1: and that—that that is the nice thing is that it takes 15 minutes before right. people have spoken. Sw- and you have a fresh
3: up. crop, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Did you ever get, like, the teenager that was like, hanging out like who had figured out what was going on and was like trying to get into the video
3: we loved that because our kids by the end of doing that show our kids were fearless so i could Uh really push that kid's button so Uh like the smart you know yeah the the smart ass 14 year old comes in thinking he knows something and i can get i can make our nine-year-old girl get real in his face yeah the kids are all wearing earwigs and she's talking to them so like i when someone thought they had they they had it for us that was like a dream that's real because then we could really try weird stuff you know
0: and then you have to have them sign something at the end right
3: um not necessarily if you have them on camera and they're like clearly going along like one basically once you've told them that's a prank show, if they look in your camera and they wave, and you're on private property, it's kind. Of, it's pretty good.
0: Really? Yeah. What? I always thought you have to have. I. I not only did I th- think you have to have something signed. But I feel like there's some rule that came about like a couple of years ago where you have to have people yeah. sign before you before and after. Yeah.
4: I think it's depended on when we've done it and who it's for. Yeah. yeah. The big so after we did a bunch of the prank segments at Universal City Walk, the, the first big campaign Shane and I did was to promote the Captain Underpants um movie that mm-hmm. came out last mm-hmm. year. And the idea for that was We had, it was a national contest where kids across the country got to submit a prank idea, a big prank that we would do at their school. So we watched all these entries from these kids, picked our favorites, and then we had two finalists where um, I had to cold call like principals at schools and ask, hey, could we come to your school and like do this prank that one of your kids entered into a contest? And we ended up getting uh, schools on board with this. I had to be sort of, you know. Sure. Did they get um,
1: money or anything like that? They got
4: gifts. Like, um, we, for one. (laughs) Gifts. No, each
3: school got gifts tailored to the school's needs. So one school got, like, a bunch of new computers for their computer program, another school got a ton of film equipment for their new for their film department yeah, yeah
4: yeah yeah. i feel like the the gift was like a they didn't care about the gift you, they whenever, cared
3: about the fact that their that one of their students had been proactive enough to like uh-huh. enter a contest yeah that's really what they they were like so proud of their student right
0: what was the winning prank
3: so we did two we did Uh, like 500 kids submitted something like that. Uh, 500 eligible kids. A lot of kids submitted that like weren't eligible contest rules or something that I like got, I learned about as we did it. It was fascinating to learn about every single rule, but um, we did, we ended up picking two winners that we would go prank their schools. I'll take one. You'll take the other. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Um, The first one we did was in New York uh, and it was a kid thought it would be funny if his classroom was haunted mm-hmm. and he had this idea of like, what if a ghost wrote on the smart board, um, which is already like great prank. Wait, yeah. And a uh, smart
0: board is a whiteboard. That's like computer. Yeah. Control. Yeah. It
3: has like, uh, it's sort of a touch screen. You like have a mechanical, you have like a digital pencil, but it like writes, on the board.
1: Is it, is there a projector projecting on the board?
3: Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. It's a, like an interactive projector almost. Um, and a lot of like, I guess a lot of schools have them now. It seemed pretty common when we were looking it up, but so we had the prank was, we, we did have like a YouTuber involved. We had this YouTuber who was older and then our, our main girl Izzy, who we had used on the prank TV show. And, For this prank, it was a substitute teacher comes in. He's a very goofy substitute teacher, way too strict. And halfway through, the classroom starts being haunted. The smart board starts giving him shit and calling him smelly. And, you know, eventually says like your odor has awakened the spirits and (laughs) the lights go out. And when the lights come back on, there is a, go- a girl who looks like she's from the ring. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he can't see her. The lights go out again, come back on. She's gone again. Right, That's the like the are
0: Brazilian are elevator. Print, sim-
3: right. Yeah. Very similar to that. Yeah. So then and then ours culminate in like it, the lights go out again and then he starts screaming and all of a <laughs> sudden he's gone and she's just there. And the kids are screaming and freaked out. And then we tell them it's a prank and then take them to a party we put in the teacher's (laughs) lounge.
0: Uh, And do you you choose a classroom without windows so that when the lights go out, it's like really dark? So
3: these schools were amazing. We got in the night before. We blacked out all the windows and then put the blinds down. We had like a hidden camera company help us with this one where they were taking out ceiling panels and putting the cameras wherever.
4: And wow. um, They gave us access to the breaker box. Yeah. It was, I have never been more nervous than like sitting right by like the principal and superintendent at video village. As we like turned the (laughs) lights out on like a classroom of sixth graders (laughs) (laughs) and all the kids screamed and you could like see the staff, like looking at each other, like what are we doing? (laughs) Uh, yeah
3: it was cool i mean working with like a hidden camera company was awesome because they just know it so much better yeah than right you yeah. it's it's really like it, it's like working it wasn't with any specialist sweet
0: spot, was it
3: no Seamount. Mm. um they do carpool
0: karaoke yeah and okay. they were
3: great they like you know, I my DP and I had like ideas like, oh, we'll hide in like a tissue box or a plant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'd be like, that's a great idea, and other times they'd be like, no, that's like right in the line of sight, and they right. would know. Right. They would kind of know these things,
4: which was yeah. really helpful.
1: It, it's their whole craft, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: As far as you mentioned releases earlier, one of the biggest production challenges for this was we had to obviously get the principal and superintendent on board to mm-hmm. you know sign the contract for us to come to the school and film but then we also had to have the principal reach out individually to every child's parent. parent and yeah. have them sign a release before the prank happened and all before the parents... Before it happened. Yeah. yeah, so we had like a yeah, classroom... because now we're
3: dealing with kids so it's different.
4: Yeah, yeah so uh, uh, like a classroom of 20 kids all had their parents sign this release without spilling the beans to and their the parents. parents have to keep it a secret for like a month
3: because we weren't coming for like a month. And oh,
4: they,
0: man.
3: The parents, on, for both schools, were awesome. They didn't tell any, didn't tell any of them.
4: Yeah, it's it such great. a fun thing because I feel like when you do a prank video, there's always that challenge of, like, how are people actually going to, like, believe
1: mm-hmm. what is real. happening.
4: And when you have, like, a substitute teacher coming into a classroom and acting a little off is already, like, very grounded in reality. So when things started going weird, like, the, kid, the kids were having, like, a huge genuine reaction to it so that was one of my favorite pranks i think that we've done now
0: and can we see that is that on youtube
4: yeah they're both like all of the that whole like flight of
3: videos if you go to captain underpants pranks for good they would come all the videos would come up
0: i've never heard that term before but i like it pranks <laughs> for good Pranks for good? no a flight of videos. oh <laughs> yeah that's like oh. a sampler
3: pranks for good was a dreamworks thing uh they I wanted to call it something much meaner. And they were like, it's right. got to yeah. seem good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, a prank Scholastic is was not like a good.
4: co-producer yeah. of the movie. So right, we had to like right. convince Scholastic that. A lot of that was you like,
3: can. you know, a prank is like a little bit mean. That's just like what it is. <laughs> right. yeah.
1: You're tricking people into believing something that's, that's tr- not true. Not and you're true. laughing at
3: them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And our pranks typically are like, you know, have like a scary element mm-hmm. or like, you know, the other one had, like, a semi-mean element, I, I
4: think, and...
0: So what was the other one?
4: The other one was called the King of the School prank. That one we shot over in Fort Irwin, which is, like, this military base in California, and 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 the kid's idea was that he was going to be named King of the School. So what <laughs> we actually did was we had the substitute teacher come in, and then, like, the middle of the class, there was, like, an announcement over the PA system by the principal, and the announcement basically declared this kid as the king of the school. And then we suddenly, like, open the doors. Izzy comes in with, like, uh, what's it called? Like, a little bugle. Yeah. And she announces the arrival of uh, King ricaro Ricaro was the, the boy who pitched this idea. And he's, like, we put him in, like, a king costume and gave him, like, a throne. And we have He's, like, like,
3: wheeled in <laughs> in this very immaculate <laughs> throne that, like, barely fit through the door.
4: Yeah. And he, like, starts declaring things, like, they're old be no more homework and of course like the substitute teacher is freaking out and the kids like lost their minds it was like <laughs> lord of the flies in that classroom yeah. they all just started
0: throwing papers in the air yeah Are you our, serious?
3: yeah our girl who our, our prankster izzy she had we gave her these 3 foot par- Wait,
0: what's her job
3: She was like the royal squire. So she was like saying all the stuff for the kid because like he's just like a regular eight year old. He's and she's your person on the
1: inside, too. You can like tell her to do things like turn this person around or. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And uh, so we gave her this big thing of scissors and she's going around like chomping up the homework (laughs) and
0: stuff. Wait, so the kid himself is just like peeing his pants The kid himself
3: is just sitting on the throne, like semi proud of what's happening. Semi like scared because it is like,
1: (laughs) wait, does he know it's coming or no?
3: Yeah, he was prepped. We saw him the day before we ran through it because it's his
0: idea. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's eight years old. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> no, he. Those were
3: They're older.
4: S- they they were sixth or seventh graders. I forget.
3: I think they were both eleven. I think okay. both <laughs> kids were either it's still, eleven. Or
4: 12, we're it's still, like,
3: <laughs> yeah, it was intimate. It was very intimidating for both of those kids because it's like a film. crew. Like at first, they you know they had a Skype call with us, and it's just like two dudes. It f- doesn't seem that intimidating, and then like the film crew shows up, and like all this gear and then (laughs) we're miking them, you know, and it's like, and the prank's going to happen now. And they know like (laughs) it could mess up, you know? So they're both of those kids said nothing during the prank
0: because they're
3: terrified. And
0: you're never nervous yourself or like, if you are nervous, you probably like, you're trying to hide it from the pranksters, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm. I get pretty nervous when a prank. Those pranks specifically, because there was no do over.
0: There's no back, right?
3: Yeah, right. it's not like they weren't like plants or anything. They're actual kids, and you, it's not like we're gonna get the kids to fake reactions or anything. They're, they're so you, not gonna do it for us.
1: You never would come out and be like, "All right, everybody, we're gonna do a quick pass where you all."
3: So we went in, turn your heads and look at this. So you know. what we did was. After we got the prank, it was successful. We then did pickups of like Izzy of the pranksters, uh-huh. yeah. the kids we got. We focused it all on them, and then we did some pickups on like jokes and lines that mm-hmm. the pranksters had.
1: Great, yeah, yeah. Um,
3: but sense. other than that, total. Our boss at at uh, at our department is like has a very artistic view of prank. She mm-hmm. comes from like a prank background and has produced bigger prank shows, and she feels like pranks is like an art form that mm-hmm. shouldn't be like, you know, she, you never, yeah. she never wants a fake reaction or anything like that, uh. which I scoffed at at first. And then getting to do it, I'm like, I've drank the Kool-Aid on it. I um, feel like,
0: I don't know, I, you've done prank stuff. I've done yeah. prank stuff. And it's always, you know, some person at like break media then now non-existent break media being like, yeah, we'll just hire some actors and we'll just have them like be shot. Like, what's the big deal? As I'm like, I just, I just don't think this prank makes any sense. Like, why would anyone, like, walk up to this that random microphone and sing karaoke? Like, Totally, like-
3: yeah. And when it's a real reaction, that's when, like, a bad prank falls apart. Right. And, like, right. a really mean prank falls apart, too. Like, if they're real reactions, they have to have some semblance of fun or, like... Right. Yeah. silliness silliness yeah. or the per- the reaction is going to be awful you're going to look like a terrible person <laughs> yeah yeah
1: or if you've got like friends who can laugh at the person and then with them a little bit as yeah. well you know if one person is scared but they've got like their backup that's all having a good time yeah i feel like that's the secret with jackass right like jackass people are getting maimed constantly but well but ev- they're doing it to themselves they are doing it to themselves but i really i think i genuinely think because like. The format for Jackass was always very clear. It was like guys having fun, setting up the title and the premise, and then the laughs, the reactions are the thing that make those pranks work. Even though there's not a level of surprise to it, that's what makes it okay for you to laugh at someone getting... You know, bitten by an alligator or whatever. It is. <laughs> right. you
3: know? No, I, I I actually agree. We watched a bunch of Jackass when we were doing the prank stuff, and it holds up because too because still like, tonally it yeah. feels like everyone's having fun together, yeah. even when something really mean is going on. Yeah. But even down. like when
0: he's Johnny Knoxville is the old man or whatever, and just like eating it off of like giant ramps or right. Yeah, yeah. Um, like he's hurting himself. He's not like hurting other people. Sure, honestly. sure.
3: And that's something we found with pranks too. Is like. If we can make the joke about like the if the pranksters being the one Mm -hmm. ridiculed, that's why we had the substitute teacher. So we can put like the substitute teacher who is also a prankster as the subject of ridicule. Mm -hmm. And so like the joke isn't on the kids ever. Right. Right. They're watching this unfold. Yeah.
0: Was it hard casting like a really smelly substitute teacher?
3: (laughs) Well, that both, both times the sub was our YouTube star to generate. Wait, who
1: was the... It was was this guy,
3: Jay Stew, um, who's got like a YouTube channel and he was, you know, our view generator in brand speak. Um, But but most of the actual prank was put on our 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 girl who had Mm -hmm. like been doing pranks with us for a couple of years now.
4: I never thought that I would want to do prank videos because a lot of times when I've watched prank videos online, I just feel like they are mean spirited. But there is something about like a kid Pulling off the prank that mm-hmm. just makes it
1: more yeah. charming, especially king of the school, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like your dream, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like a prank every kid would have, yeah. Like I mean, pitched.
3: a lot of times right. we, uh, you know, and, and Dan writes most of the pranks, I, I don't, but a, a lot of times we're thinking about like what would we have wanted to do as sure. kids, like, yeah, like swindle money from adults, yeah, like that's, it's the home alone know, factor, basically, yeah, yeah. like. You know, we did a prank about like trying to convince adults to help sneak you into an R rated movie at City Walk. You know, <laughs> like it was just like things like, Oh, what is like something that like as a kid you'd wanna do if you had like right. all the reasons if you knew you wouldn't get in trouble? Right. What's something you would do to random adults? Um
0: but right. the, the Like beauty buy me cigarettes, booze, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that um
4: we did a we did one that was like a, a girl outside of starbucks and said that starbucks cut her off and she wanted people <laughs> to go buy her a coffee and she was like wearing a business suit <laughs> and then people would go in and get like a hot coffee and bring it out to her and i played like her older brother and i like came up and i would i i normally don't like acting in them but we usually have such low budgets that we just have to put ourselves in them so i had to like come up as an actor and like Tell the mark like, hey, did you give my little sister like a coffee? Like, it's really bad for you. You shouldn't have done that. And Izzy secretly like swapped the hot cup that he just got with like a cold cup, and then she would like yell at me and splash it in my face, and I would scream like I just got burned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. That's, that's her. That's guys, her favorite. That's fun. her
4: favorite prank, by the way. Yeah, we've done so many <laughs> pranks. We and we end up just like prank on our on our shows. We like our our crew. I feel like we we work with a lot of the same people and just when you're when you're doing kid content and making pranks like you, it's just like a really fun time on set. And I feel like we'd prank each other now. Yeah. And
3: I I will say the thing about the this Captain Underpants prank thing that like leads to the show is it was a big it was a it was a really it was a big budget for <laughs> a branded thing. It was a bigger <laughs> budget than we've been offered before the, at Dreamworks. And the goal was like okay Cause we're both, we both come from a line producing background. If we can get, if we can give, take full responsibility of this project and mm-hmm. take full responsibility of that budget and deliver, we think they'll trust us like again. Right. And right. again, and you then,
1: saw that it was an opportunity to prove yourselves as a creative entity with a real yeah, amount of resources.
3: Yeah. yeah. And we also saw that, the more like separate we we'd be like oh we'll we'll take care of it you don't have to do anything and then the more separate we became we realized like oh maybe they'll start trusting us with big amounts of money and not interfering at all again and that yeah. kind of happened over we did that project in early 2017 we we did like a few other projects and then we got the TV show in
4: July. Yeah, it was summer of 2017.
3: July twenty seventeen. So by then we delivered like fully on a few projects, including this being the biggest one. And so by the time the TV show came, it was it was basically like they they were like here, this is the budget do we're do all yeah. we're all agreeing to go, go shoot and it, it and we'll see you in eight months yeah. when you're done. Yeah. And it was rock and roll, guys. That that's like that was the big thing about that. That thing where we were putting all this pressure on ourselves because we were like they have to trust us to like to the T because we know something's coming eventually where we're going to want to like just like say, OK, give us the money and we'll come. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. Hearing you guys talk about these pranks makes me feel like they're really fun, though. I've every prank thing I've ever done has pretty much been terrible and not fun. But it's because I think we always, the, pr- the prank idea isn't great. It's, like, usually one beat. It's not, like, ten beats. Like, yeah, you need written to heighten like, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and it's always, like, some producer saying, like, let's just hire actors and just have them do it. Because, you know, yeah. we, have, we have to shoot 17 pranks in one day, you know. Um, my wife was on, she was on three prank shows. She was on two seasons, well, two three seasons, two seasons of Disaster Date on MTV and one show called Jerks with Cameras but the, it's like one of the most fascinating things ever like how they produce those and they're all like totally real and how they like deck out a whole restaurant and that and those shows are interesting cuz only one person is not in on it you know there's yeah. like and the entire production is built around them yeah i don't know prank stuff
3: the other thing about the this prank you know thing that we did for captain underpants that I, we were talking about this morning is that we had kind of forgotten about is so is branded for captain underpants and we delivered the videos. It was all good. And they were like, we want clips in of the movie in the, <laughs> throughout the prank. Like, you know, like the teacher's being weird and we want to cut to the animated movie and we'll cut to one of the kids facepalming or saying like, so awkward or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> right. it was. Um
1: and we felt and you weren't planning on that. At
3: we all. weren't planning That's on a, that. And we felt yeah. like we had done our part. The, the logo of the movie was in the corner at the start of the video. We say, like, welcome to this thing brought to you by Captain Underpants. Mm-hmm. And we showed a clip from the movie like we thought we had done our part a, a, in showcasing the movie. Right. And so our la- our final straw was like, no, we won't put these clips in the movie. And w- what's the quote?
4: We got a note from an executive that said something to the effect of, I understand that you guys want to protect the integrity of the prank, but I got to sell movie tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's right. And we
3: like took a stand. And the next day, our we, we were told, well, at the end of that day, we were told, we got an email that basically was like, give us the videos. And we did. And the next day, the videos had clips in them. <laughs>
4: yeah they gave them to a trailer house and 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 they still worked like it was just one of those things I think where we were just a little blindsided because it wasn't in the initial creative, and then we thought we were like done and really happy with our edits, and then all of a sudden we were told we
1: need to. Just sort of shoehorn in. Yeah. And you'd gone through rounds of notes already as well. Yeah,
3: exactly. This was the final pass. Uh, They, Yeah, the videos ended up fine. I don't think anyone who watches them now would be like, oh, my God, so much product (laughs) placement. But at the time, we thought we were, like, taking a stand and we were quickly put in our place. Well,
1: I I think it's funny how that stuff does happen sometimes. And it sounds to me like you guys had gone through enough rounds of notes where everyone had signed off, signed off, signed off everyone was feeling good and then someone client side showed it to their boss because now it's ready and then that boss was like, I thought we were promoting Captain Underpants in this prank. What What are you doing? I spent $200,000 on this prank yeah. video. And then all of a sudden things had to change. I guarantee that's what and happened. And
0: that, that's like a standard advertising saying. Yeah. Like At the end of the day, we got to sell sandwiches. At the end of the day, we got to sell shoes. I mean, I have everything I've ever worked on. Someone has said that to me at some point because I'm trying to like make you know give entertainment value and they're trying to sell a product
3: yeah and, and to their credit they like especially the people we've worked with at like doing either dreamworks movies or dreamworks tv shows because we've done branded content for both they've both been really both sides have been really excited of like oh here's like a creative aspect we're gonna do to promote mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. product that like is something we can maybe brag about at dinner or something. It's different. It's not just a trailer. Um so they have been really good with our like more zany ideas. Um
0: by the way, I think it's like awesome for you to stand your ground. Like I've I've seen that work many times. It doesn't always work. Usually it doesn't work. But like saying like, hey, we feel really strongly about this, sometimes it does work. So it's like
1: the people you know, like I said, there's there's a few people in between the people giving that mandate and you guys so your bosses respect you a little bit more for it you know what i mean your job is to do a good is to protect the creative and to make it as good as you can that's what you're saying sometimes you get overruled And as long as you're not like throwing a tantrum about it at the end of the day you know
3: yeah i think us being a little hot-headed at times has worked out in our benefit nine out of ten times and even then when they took the thing and put in the clips. It's not like they were mad at us. They were just like, "We don't have time for this. We're putting in the clips." Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but and and I'm glad they I'm glad they did it over us because then we didn't have any notes on it. They were yeah. very happy with the clips. Yeah, they, they did. That the they, they put went. in. Yeah. Uh, so awkward. Yeah, <laughs> but no. no, I mean that like I
1: did not see that coming.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a clip. I think.
1: Uh, well, that's perfect, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, it worked. It's fine uh yeah it was like a life we, it was just we, a life lesson of like oh like sometimes they will just tell you this is we own this
4: i think we might have been wrong like i watch it now and i think when it cuts to the clips it's pretty funny i think we were just getting on our high horses i don't know <laughs>
0: i also think for kids they don't think that's maybe as cheesy as we would think it yeah, is. yeah if
3: you're doing branded content for a brand that the kids like why not like yeah right after that we did this thing for dino trucks um, called We Build It, We Break It, where kids build something really crazy and then come up with an even crazier way to destroy it and was sponsored by Dino Trucks. The kids that we're advertising to already love Dino trucks. Why not put a ton of dino trucks in it? They like it. Like right. it's not They're also
0: not jaded. They're not like, Ugh, oh, you're trying to sell me dino trucks.
3: Totally. Yeah. So yeah, for that one, I think we kinda learned our lesson and we're like, oh, we're gonna like we're gonna put it in as much as we can because they they like it. They think it's cool.
4: Yeah, and I think if I'm, like, psychoanalyzing ourselves, when we did that We Build It, We Break It show for Dino Trucks, it was at the same time that we had just gotten a TV show where we really felt like we had this, like, creative autonomy. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time... That we were doing our Captain Underpants prank videos. We didn't have that other project that was like our passion project. And we really made that one our passion project. Dan's right. Like when we
3: got the TV show, that felt like our passion project. So our other branded projects, we were willing to deliver whatever they wanted because we had this other thing that we were being like creatively fulfilled by. Right.
4: Yeah. At the end of the day, when you're doing branded content, you have to realize like what is the what is the goal of this video and you need to give client like what they want and not just see it as an excuse for you to get to make whatever whatever you think is cool.
0: But you get to make, if you, if they put their thing in and it gets like 10,000 views and you do it your way and it gets like 10 million views, then if that happens like twice, then you get to basically call the shots after that. Yeah. Yeah,
3: that's true. We've been lucky where the past few branded things have done really well. So we've been able to like, yeah kind of go right our, you sell yourself as
1: experts kind of uh, yeah. In the space. yeah 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 because uh-huh. I, I think that that is really the thing you're fighting is it's like there's a difference it's not like you think you're an artiste necessarily it's more like oh we just people won't like it if you do it this way too many times you know
3: yeah because there's nothing worse than making a brand video that people don't like
1: yeah, like it's. It is like, like most brands. It's pretty videos. brutal. It <laughs> it's, does feel, it's hard because yeah. you
3: didn't. You didn't feel good making it, yeah. and now people are telling you they don't like it. You're like, I know, yeah, I didn't like yeah, it when yeah, we made I, it. I knew better. I tried to stop them.
1: There's yeah. nothing worse than the feeling of looking at an old video you did and seeing that they had to turn the
0: comments off on the YouTube video. Uh, oh yeah. man, right. The nicest. That is brutal. Yeah. Well, we haven't even talked about your show. And I feel like we must know, like, how <laughs> you got a full-time... Like, yeah. I've worked with Shane before. You were a producer who was had a full-time job in an advertising agency. It was not that long ago, like, four years ago? Yeah. And Dan worked at College Humor producing stuff Matt had directed. Yeah, a couple things. You were a full-time... Yeah, I one basically, two
4: I think I spent like four years at College Humor and I started as like production intern. <laughs> then I was uh, like a payroll accountant. Then I became <laughs> a production coordinator, moved out to L.A. from New York when they shut down production in New York and were doing it out here. And then I was like a producer out here for all of 2016. And I think I did like I produced like 70 sketches in yeah. one year. It was and just we like met, a crazy. We
3: met in 2016 then?
4: yeah Shane and I met through college humor. We were all part of that circle, and that essentially led to us working together at DreamWorks TV down the road and that Wait, was you, when told,
3: you told me you remember our first conversation I want to hear it
4: well, I think like the first time Shane is like the most laid back guy, and I think I was producing a show where I needed to rent a house and you know when you're doing like the digital shorts for college humor you have a very tight budget and so shane, what's like
0: a tight budget like a $1000 um
4: i mean it varied like at times i would be doing something for like uh $10,000 perhaps but
0: but you have to rent a house for like 500 bucks or
4: exactly in fact i think I, I remember i called shane and asked if we could like rent his apartment for $600 and he was like yeah whatever like come on over and and it was just so great and i was so excited that the director was happy with the look of the apartment and we were going to be all set and then I found out, like, they were cracking down legal about, like, how you actually have to have the owner of the building sign the right. location agreement. And since Shane was just a renter, not the owner, I had to call Shane and be like, hey, man, like, I got to cancel the shoot because you, like, don't own the place. And Shane was just like, all right, whatever, man. And <laughs> I had like probably a- <laughs> forgotten about it. <laughs> but I, I was pretty bummed because, you know, when you when you are doing like an ambitious video for, you know. 10 grand, like, every line item counts. And uh, we probably ended up getting an actual house for two grand. Yeah. <laughs> but so we
3: met in 2016. We pitched the show. I was doing Junk Drawer that whole time. As junk Drawer director. Magic as the director. So how did you
0: transition from producer to director?
3: So, right, so I, I moved out here in 20, January 1st, 2012. I got my first job through College Humor as a production coordinator. Started producing pretty quickly after that. You know, produce for both of you guys, and I jumped around a lot. I like, I worked at College Humor. I've worked at like, I feel like most of your digital companies. That's the freelance
1: life, basically. You were like, rather than be full time anywhere, you just kind of built your network all over the place.
3: Yeah, and so I did College Humor. Who would hire you? Directors Um,
0: would recommend you, or so.
3: Um, for the digital stuff, it was like it was your production manager of the office whoever was staffing it up it wasn't the director um and then I I went and did a bunch of features because I also wanted to like produce features and stuff and that was usually either the executive producer or if I was like a UPM it was the producer Um, and a
0: bunch is like 10
3: of features yeah I did five okay and the whole reason of like I always wanted to direct but I was like fresh out of school and I wanted to just be around directors and the
0: Fresh for out me, of film school?
3: Yeah, fresh I went to Florida State. Um the f- best way for me to be around directors I thought was to be a producer because I noticed like producers get to sit next to the directors all day.
0: Yeah. And it's like either producer or great. boom up. I found it's another way to be like right in the middle of the action. Boom ups do know what's
1: going on in a way that's always fascinating. Dolly yeah. yeah. and Grips are pretty. Or pretty they good comedically
3: too. have no idea.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah so I, I produced up until. And I was like directing stuff on the side, you know, through like.
0: Like your own thing?
3: Yeah. Like sketch comedy or like stuff with like a bunch of UCB kids or something like that just on my own. And luckily. And writing too? And writing. And luckily. I was working at like places like college humor, or funny Funnier die. So they'd like feature my videos, which was really helpful for when I, my first directing job was directing like, um, the digital web stuff for Disney channel, where it'd be like Disney channel actors going like, hi, my, my name's so-and-so. My favorite color is red. What's your favorite color? Tell me, you know, tell me yeah. below. Or, and I happened to show one of my, very dumb YouTube sketches to someone who worked at Disney, who then got me in touch with someone who worked at DreamWorks. And then I got like a producer director. They were looking for someone who knew how to produce and, and was like interested in directing mm-hmm. their own stuff. Which yeah, was,
1: they were like, Hey, we want to pay one salary and get ex- two jobs.
3: Exactly. And, and did if you someone, edit
1: too? Was it like a predator type? Thing? No,
3: they, they weren't looking I for someone word,
0: who had so I hate it I just t- have to jump in. Okay, that's <laughs> that's my least favorite word. In I the world. think it's over. I I don't think that people... I think it's fairly over, yeah. Yeah. I got a directing job at Disney and I was editing also because I Mm -hmm. liked my editing better than other people's editing. Um, And then my boss started referring to me as a predator to people and Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a predator. Like, (laughs) just call me the director. You know, I was like so... I felt like it yeah. kind of cut me down in a mm-hmm. way. I they,
3: they had DreamWorks were really nice, where they they clearly wanted someone they could pay one salary to who could direct and produce, but they were very willing to. They knew I wanted to direct, and they were willing to foster that and let me. They yeah. let me direct. It wasn't like they would, It wasn't like a carrot they were dangling or anything. They were really willing to like grow me into that. Oh, that's which fun. was which was yes. Yeah, were there nice other directors there? There is no full time. One,
4: no. Mm-hmm.
0: So Dan was not working full-time at DreamWorks. At no,
3: that. and he still... Dan actually isn't full-time there. Um, he just comes
4: in per project. Freelance and
1: fancy free. I, I love it. Yeah. Matt, I
4: remember when I quit producing at College Humor, I remember you said to me, like, that's awesome. I support yeah, yeah. people quitting their jobs. And I feel like it was one of the... I, I loved College Humor because I feel like it taught me how production works, and I met so many amazing people and learned a lot, but ultimately when I decided to quit the full-time job and go freelance it enabled me to start getting creative work
1: yeah um and, I, and it did immediately like you were writing on a tv show like a week later um it was a few months later but <laughs> it, 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 Which show? it was pretty quick a oh, middle
0: of the night show
4: it was middle of the night show for mtv a short-lived late night comedy show uh, that was so much fun to make
0: yeah and we had really paul pain. briganti on he directed that, right?
4: Yeah, Paul and um another guy Matt Kasman were our directors on that oh, cool. show.
3: So we were both we were jumping around at yeah, yeah. different places before Dan started just writing as a freelancer full-time and I got the Dreamworks job and we started I think we pitched the TV sh- I think we pitched the TV show in March of 2017 and we heard back that they were going to do 10 episodes by May. Mm-hmm. So it's really quick. And it wasn't like a there was no pilot. It was just great. Just we like the series. we yeah. like the five page Word doc.
4: Um The hundred the hundreds of web videos were sort of like the proof right. of concept. Right. But we saw it as an opportunity to not just do DIY, but to basically write like a kid's sitcom and mm-hmm. then sort of figure out how to fit the the DIY tutorials into the show. So it's sort of Half-kids sitcom, half-magic DIY tutorial show.
3: Yeah, it's a weird show where it's it's a full sitcom, and then one time in Act 1 and one time in Act 3, our characters literally turn to camera and start teaching you how to build a magic <laughs> trick that they did previously in the episode. So um,
1: I guess in a kids' show, you can do that sort of weird like format bending, you know?
3: I mean, we we've like, never seen it done. Did Mr.
1: Wizard ever do that? I feel like there were maybe kids in the Mr. Wizard show that
0: but it wasn't this it yeah. wasn't like a I mean, narrative sesame street, yeah it's not a full I? but yeah, they're not full
3: true. narrative like 30 minute yeah arcs sesame
0: um, street kind of is
1: but it right. would still it would be different segments do you know what i mean like it was rare that you would you know, like gordon would stop and turn to the camera and be like now you know
0: yeah you want to whatever um mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually pretty good. And they do these really amazing parodies. They did this like it's house of really cards good. parody. Yeah. It's like amazing with the three little yeah. pigs and like how he's like fooling the kid, it's the yeah. pigs. And of course that's the house of cards format, but he talks to camera. But a lot. for our yeah, demo,
3: sure. it was a little, for our demos, obviously older, it's for like right. 11 year olds. And so it was, we, we were kind of wondering like, is this going to work? Is this going to yeah. pan out to, to like change your genre twice in an episode? I think it kind of works.
4: It's It was also challenging. This was the first time where, because of network standards, we had to hit exactly 22 minutes. One thing that's kind of nice is when you have a DIY tutorial twice an episode, you have a little bit of wiggle room in terms mm-hmm. of like, why don't we hold on like the scissors cutting the cardboard one second longer in order to <laughs> hit our runtime?
3: Yeah. And it was also nice to know, like, you know, we were given our budget before we started writing, so we knew what we were we had our we already we had our budget and we had our line producer and he was sitting right outside the writers room so he was constantly hearing our pitches or just getting drafts of the scripts mm-hmm. and you know the bigger if we knew a, if we knew an episode was going to be a bigger budget maybe that DIY section's a little bit longer mm-hmm. so that you can account for right. like okay there's less pages in this episode so you know
0: interesting how important is it for your episodes to all be roughly around the same budget or do you just get one number for the whole season and you can kind of our budget
3: was so small that they were able to give us just one number for like you for know it was basically like making an indie feature
0: and you get to choose this episode will be the cheap one and this one will be the expensive one
3: yeah we had epi- yeah exactly you know we had some more um you know we had an episode our pilot episode has a has multiple ghosts in it and that was VFX heavy or we had an episode where two of our characters are turned into cards and that's like puppeting and Roto and animation and all that stuff. Um, and then as opposed to like the arcade episode, which I think you guys saw, um, that's like a cheaper episode. They like go to an arcade, the guy, the girl that he's has a, the, our main character has a crush on turns out to be a witch She's evil. Like, it's, it's less. A um, big thing you'll see in all of our episodes is that at a certain point, a char- one of our main characters is either, like, sucked into something or becomes <laughs> something else. Because we wrote a show with two 14-year-olds that are in every single scene. And very right. quickly, we brought our first AD in. And we had 22 days. We shot the whole thing in 22 oh, yeah. Did you days. Did you black suit? Yeah. And our first AD was like, this is impossible. Because uh, of so- all the school yeah, we shot during the school year, so...
0: How many hours does a 14-year-old need?
4: Uh, th- I mean, three hours of schooling per I day. I think we had them on set for, like, nine and a half hours a day, and then you take out three hours for school. You take out their lunch break. They also yeah. need certain um, rest, and it, <laughs> so, it was not so a lot of time. So you get six
0: hours of shooting
4: Something like that, And yeah. did you
1: have money for stand-ins, or are you having, like, somebody come and block and all of that stuff? No. Yeah. We didn't
3: have any stand-ins or anything like that. I mean, a a big thing was just being, you know, having shot designed it so specifically, especially because we're block shooting. Um,
0: But you can just feed him like Cheez-Its and like nerds and stuff, right? You don't have to like spend a lot of money on food saving because they're kids they're
3: 14 year olds who live in la their diets <laughs> are pretty like, like
0: kale and quinoa please
3: yeah they're they're I mean really they're you know they're not like your average they're they definitely ate healthier than I eat now <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah I mean they were luckily enough they're like Again, we've known them. I've known them for two years. I, their first acting, I had one. I gave them one of their first acting gigs, so it was like, um, not only do I have a shorthand with them, but also this is like a big deal for them. So they took it so seriously. They're not like it's not like they've had multiple TV shows right, before. Right. So like, when we showed up to the set on day one, they had all two hundred pages memorized. They wow. were not. Yeah, they knew it all, and so we could block shoot, and I could run through. We were never waiting on them. Uh, We could run through pages and pages because they knew the lines. Mm -hmm. They picked up the, you know, I had to compromise on blocking sometimes. Like, you know, with your AD, you get like, okay, here's your big scene for the day. You get to do 20 shots and then you have to run through now four scenes that have like cross coverage because you just wasted all the interesting stuff on that one scene.
4: And to their credit, they're not just, like, memorizing these lines, but they're very quickly learning magic tricks. Like, we have (laughs) dozens of magic tricks performed on the show, and when you're filming a magic trick, like, you cannot show any of the gimmick, so... I think the magic tricks were probably, like, the hardest in terms of coverage to make sure. Sometimes, like...
1: Well, you don't want to cut away either, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and you can't phone it in. It has to be in the right
0: spot. It has to be lit right. All of that stuff.
3: Yeah, and now we're putting it in a narrative setting. It's not like we're doing it in a reality. Like, you put in, like...
0: Right. Reality, the guy can be like, here, camera guy's zooming on this and look at this.
3: Exactly. Or the camera guy in a lot of magic shows on the street, the camera guy is an experienced magic shooter. So he can anticipate, oh, Mm -hmm. he's like about to flash something. I'm going to move a little to the right. Right. We're in a narrative setting. The camera can't just start moving to like compensate for the trick. So we're doing the tricks 14 times, you know, to get it right. So it becomes harder than the stunts we had (laughs) like as far (laughs) as time wise.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it is it's not unlike a stunt except that just no one's in danger hopefully right
3: yeah yeah
0: and who edited the show
3: um so my co-director Justin edited about half the episodes and then we had other editors that we had worked with
0: and you guys are pretty involved in that right
3: yeah yeah um
0: you guys are the showrunners yeah correct
1: pretty much yeah
3: yeah Um, For lack of
1: Is there anyone else Who's show running So we had
3: Basically we were The co-EPs And then we had An executive producer Who was Essentially our showrunner, But she
0: Like just has More experience Like TV On her resume Yeah Exactly Like she Was was she there every day She
3: was never on set But she read all of our scripts Gave us the notes Made sure they were Tonally there But As far as She didn't She wasn't like writing Or anything But yeah She you know but she has a larger job at DreamWorks and has a lot more responsibilities and other things right. to go off and do.
0: So so she she kind of shepherded the project, but you guys did the nuts and bolts of everything.
4: Yeah, exactly. I think there was like a trade off. Like it was a low budget show, but with the low budget came so much creative freedom. Like mm-hmm. I've never heard of people getting to make a TV show where the network is not reading the scripts or reviewing cuts. Like, yeah, it's, it's a crazy situation. Thing
1: this is uh where does it live what's so it's, this
4: will live on universal
3: kids which is a cable right channel. so, so it's, yeah.
1: it's broadcast technically yeah
3: and we did follow like broadcast specs and yeah. you know we knew the rules going in and all that stuff and there were people there were people watching us as far as sure. guidelines go and making right. sure we were like following the rules yeah you are not
0: setting a kid on fire or anything
3: right yeah. right
0: um is it available will it potentially get to netflix or one of those streaming services We
3: don't know. Um, It'll definitely be on, like, the Universal Kids streaming.
4: We've had (laughs) YouTube commenters on the Junk Draw Magic web series request that Junk draw Magical Adventures be made available on Netflix. So hopefully they they see those YouTube. Well, I have some
0: friends that are on Netflix kids' shows, and that's what they said, that, like, Netflix is, like, amping up the kids' shows. And since Mm -hmm. it's Universal, they could pick that up, unless Universal wants to save it for their yeah we haven't heard service.
3: we haven't heard anything about it so they don't tell us that much <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, it is really funny when you, you you make these shows right and then you never really know like where it's going to end up sure. like i feel like i did I, I worked at um disney digital for a while and i got to make like this really fun puppet show and i was like at the mall one day and i went into a disney store and this video i directed was like playing on the You're little like, the screen oh, that's there right. Yeah. And then I like I like took a picture of uh, the episode playing and like a Disney store employee like came up to me. And I was like by myself and they were like, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? <laughs> <store>. <laughs> and you're like nothing. I, it, w- it was the funniest reversal because I told them that I like I, I made that video and like they were like, oh, my God, let me get the book. And they brought out like a book where like I guess Disney cast members like, oh, that's if funny. visit the store they signed. But she definitely thought I was initially up to no good.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're not it's supposed cool, to, like, yeah. just start taking pictures in a Disney store. Yeah, no, sure.
0: Especially if you're, <laughs> especially like, not when you a tall like man you're... with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, cool. So if people want to find out more about the show, how do they, any tips? Should they follow you guys on Twitter or something?
3: Um, they can
4: follow Dan on Twitter. Uh,
0: what, Shane's not on social it? media. What are you on Twitter, Dan?
4: I am i don't use Twitter that often, but I'm at DSSiegel and then at ds seagulls then also my instagram handle and
0: that's s-i-e-g-e-l
4: that's right yeah. Not,
0: yeah. i mean not junk drawer
3: like junk magical adventures is the name of the show and
4: it will it's you, on universal kids yeah.
1: website right now oh cool coming soon before we move on to our next segment any final tips you guys have made pranks and kids shows sound like so much fun If a listener is like, oh, man, this sounds like a great way to break in. Is there anything you give our listeners, like, a little tip to dip their toe in that
0: water? Or it can be anything. Like, if you, I mean, to be frank, you guys, I don't know when you moved to L.A., but you came in 2012. You haven't been here that long. You already have a TV show on the air. It's pretty amazing. What's Do you guys have any tips for, like, the young yous about getting to be writers and directors and filmmakers?
3: Um... What I would say is, like, don't be afraid of set. I mean, the th- the reason, like, I got to, I got here this fast is because I was producing, and I met so many people through mm-hmm. producing, which was great. Um, L.A. can be, like it's hard to meet people and stuff, but set's
1: like the best place to meet people. Yeah, that's true. Um, Rather than like at an office or something like that. Yeah,
3: yeah. And when you're on set, you're like helping people achieve someone's vision, right? So like I felt, I found that like the doing production and meeting new crews every other week and Mm -hmm. all these new people, it only helped me like establish connections. And I mean, most of my, almost all of my friends I've met out here have been on a set. Um, so that that's my like thing is getting on as many sets as you can, even if it's, low, you know, I I wasn't a good PA, so I wouldn't recommend PA because I don't have any thing to say <laughs> about it. But I, I, I think getting on as many sets as possible.
4: Yeah, I guess if I could give advice, it would be like, don't lock yourself into one particular track that you think is like the way. Mm -hmm. to do what you want to do. I mean, like I started out as a payroll accountant at College (laughs) Humor for a year and a half and I did not like doing that. But at the same time, I became one of the favorite people in the office because I was literally giving checks to (laughs) the producers and crew members. So that just transitioned into me getting to um, work in production and then working in production led to me getting to um, start writing. So... Yeah, I don't don't know. And I also, like, I say when when opportunities are presented to you and they maybe sound like not the experience you thought you'd be having, like I never thought I would be writing kid pranks, like just try it out. Like I ended up writing kid pranks and it led to me getting to write and produce like a kid's television show that I'm really proud of. So
3: Yeah, not being afraid to make that jump is like a great – like I I do remember three years into LA when I was – all I I finally had like established myself as like a producer and I was getting work and I was like, you know, I'm going to make – I was, like, afraid to make that jump to director before, like, a director friend was like, just start directing or you'll never do it. I, I think you're right
1: on that.
0: Awesome. Well, great, guys. Uh, that was awesome. We are going to do our final segment called Unpaid Endorsements.
1: Unpaid Endorsements. Um,
0: I'll endorse a really dumb one. I mean, probably a lot of people. If you need to know about this, you probably know about it already. But my, my favorite thing about <laughs> these caveats is that
1: your l- level of expertise and exposure to the thing I'm sure you're about to endorse is so much greater than most people. So when you're like, oh man, I'm sure you've heard about this plugin that everybody's using on After Effects, it's been out for like
0: two weeks. Well, you know what I mean? I don't know. In the circles that I that I traverse online, everyone knows. It's like, have you guys heard of Avengers, Infinity War? That's To me, that's what it sounds like. But, sure. Um, do you guys ever care about middle clicking on your computer? Like yeah. in the middle, you know, you, there's left click and right click. And like on a traditional like PC mouse, well, there's a middle click. Like the middle click is like the, the scrolling button,
1: you know, like on the wheel. Sure. Or, or like or old don't?
0: mice had three buttons, but yeah, n- newer one, I guess like a newer like 2001 Logitech mouse might have that scrolling thing. But I think most of us are like using Apple computers and magic Mm -hmm. mice. Probably there's no buttons, but if you click on the left, it's a left click and on the right, it's a right click. Well, so if you ever do any like 3d graphics or any graphic stuff in general, like the middle click becomes like really useful to have three ways to click a mouse because in 3d space, you're always rotating, you're zooming and you're like transforming like space. So I just uh, bought this thing called the better touch tool today. It like lets you reprogram your whole magic mouse. Of oh, can... course. Right, guys? Well, better it's, touch tool. No, it's I n- never
4: thought I would want another <laughs> touch. On a mouse. I thought the left and right was good.
0: Well, that that's I guess the, where the caveat comes from is that 99% of people don't care about middle clicking, but it does let you do You know, like if you double tap like the bottom of your mouse or whatever, you'll zoom in. You can just kind of reprogram what the whole interface of your magic mouse does. And like for me, one of the apps I use, like when you move your finger on the mouse, it like scrolls like insanely in an insane way that I hate. And so with better touch, I can turn off scrolling when I'm in that app automatically. So if you hate your mouse for some reason... Check out Better Touch Tool. It'll let you fix everything you hate about it. Your magic mouse, specifically. It's pretty good, man. You can also reprogram your trackpad on your MacBook.
1: Is there like a Um, middle-clicking
4: community? Like, it sounds like people (laughs) band together. I bet there's a subreddit. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah. no, anyone that's ever done 3D graphics is like all about the middle click. And it's one of the reasons people prefer PCs over Macs for 3D stuff. Huh. That's what I got. How about you guys?
4: I guess my unpaid endorsement would be the um the greatest showman
0: <laughs> the movie uh,
4: which is now available on Blu-ray and 4K. It it's a movie that I think is so underrated. It's Are you joking? I'm not joking. Like so Shane and I saw this three times in theaters. <laughs> okay. And so we we did a sing along. Actually recently we rented out the Los Feliz 3 Cinema. Chris actually rented it out as a surprise for Shane on his birthday. And we had like a bunch of friends who showed up and we all did the sing along. And je- honestly, I'm, I'm telling you, if you if you I know everyone has heard about this movie, The Greatest Showman, I imagine a lot of the listeners have not actually seen it. But it is such a blast. The music's really good. It's from the guys who did La La Land. And I, I like the music and Greatest Showman way more than the music. Is it La La Baz
0: Luhrmann directed? Who directed it? It's a
3: first time director. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He, came, like he came from a VFX
4: guy. background.
0: Oh really? And yeah. it's it's a
4: gorgeous film. Sold. Really cool transition. It's like
3: have you ever watched a musical from like the thirties and been like, man, if this came out now, it'd be so weird. It's like if that happened. <laughs> like they tried to do like a nineteen thirties musical in twenty eighteen. I think they succeeded.
4: Yeah, I think if you watch this movie, you will love the song so much, you'll start listening to the soundtrack, you'll want to host like a Greatest Showman sing-along party. And I feel like it has the potential to become like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, just in terms of like people getting together to watch this film.
1: The the thing about this, because I know you guys personally and am, am aware of your fascination with The Greatest Showman, is I'm still trying to parse how much irony there is in this whole thing, and it to me it feels like zero. But that you know that it's funny that you like it as much well, as well. There's you a do. lot of Is smiling like, from Dan over here. I
4: mean, what I, I'm smiling just because like the movie gives me so much joy. I think <laughs> I think <laughs> but, like the you, filmmakers you are. <laughs> it's it's just so like unabashedly fun. Like it's not ashamed of itself at all. Like I mean, yeah, it's not like I think. A lot of people, like, look at a film like that and they think it needs to be, like, some sort of prestige biopic. Mm -hmm. And, like, the very first song is all about, like, take all that's real and leave it behind. Like, you know, the history of P.T. Barnum is not great, but they were like, we don't want to make a movie about that. We want to make a movie where we are inspired by his imagination and just, like, completely rewrite history, which is similar to, I guess there's a song called Rewrite the Stars, which is my favorite I mean I, I could go on and on about the Greatest Showman, but I
3: Yeah, we could talk for another hour about Greatest Showman. I, I think there is a level of it's it's a very earnest movie and it brings out like a very earnest uh for the fan, for people who are fans, it brings out this very like this overtly earnest appreciation of it that can mm. seem like a joke. Um I think we're aware I'm aware that people think it's silly how much we like it.
4: I'm aware of that for sure, yeah. but, like, I genuinely love this movie and, like, want to, like, do a sing-along, like, every year for the rest of my life because <laughs> of how much I enjoy it. <laughs> I will also say the, the bad guy in the film is a critic, right? Uh-huh. And the critic, like, you guys can, like, cut this part out. I'm just going to show <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the critic, like, tells P.T. Barnum that his circus is garbage, and and Barnum says something to the effect of, like, when was the last time that you actually like found joy in the theater and the critic is just stumped, and he's like, now there, now there is an imposter, you know, like he's like, shit, you're shit. the fraud. And I feel like it's addressing the people who like, they, they have to take this film so seriously. They can't just enjoy it for
1: what it is. Well, <laughs> greatest showman. We'll check it out. I, <laughs> and you know what? I, I just need to watch it with you guys. That's the move.
3: I would yeah. say yeah. it is not. It? No, it's like watching. I mean, I've called it the fast and furious of musicals because it's, <laughs> It's it's so bad. It's good. See, I wouldn't qualify Fast and Furious as bad. I would say that it's the most extreme version of itself. I do. I I would say (laughs) it's like it's it's like a it's the most extreme version. It's a high
1: octane musical.
4: Yeah,
3: and so like I would not recommend watching Fast and Furious alone. I did that.
1: It is
0: disappointing. Yes,
3: (laughs) I would watch that with a group of people. The same way I would watch a movie like this with a group of people. I
0: almost fell asleep during Fast Five, which was I think the best reviewed of the. Of that franchise yeah it's just it's just so ridiculous it's like kind of boring i find but yeah mm. but i'll check out greatest German' because i like musicals
3: this one has me yeah it's music so i might keep you up there you go
0: um you got anything
3: i do can it be like la specific yeah yeah, yeah. all right this is la specific but it's something i recently got into which is up the road at the vista which is the 35 millimeter club mm-hmm. i don't you guys maybe have done it it's i'm blanking on his name right now but it's a it's a guy who runs this and he's just like he has a love of 35 millimeter films and between once and twice a week he shows films in their original prints yeah. uh over at the vista sometimes other locations yeah
1: and it's at midnight but also sometimes like there are sometimes more reasonable like screenings at yeah 10
3: 30 on a saturday yeah, in yeah. the morning yeah so sometimes it's a more reasonable screening but He has great taste. He takes suggestions, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um,
1: There's a little bit of theming to it, too, right? He'll do, like, blocks, right?
3: Yeah. Sometimes it's good to go to the theater and see a movie that you're going to watch and you're not going to hear, like, people's opinions on. Like, it would be silly to, like, go watch Singing in the Rain and then, like... Read you're the not, reviews You yeah, see on Facebook
0: people talking about it.
3: 100%. You're purely going as a fan and you're not going as a critic or anything and you're not going to go to your office the next day and yeah. hear, like, everyone's hot take about Singing in the Rain. It's just established right. as a good movie. Unless
0: it's called La La Land.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I, Secret, uh, it's called 35 Millimeter Club, I think. Um, and that's, it's, like, my new favorite thing out here.
1: What did you see most recently?
3: Most recently I saw Great Dictator. Oh, wow. Um, which was awesome. It, like seeing an original print of that. Um, I have also seen S- Singing in the Rain. On um, 35? Yeah. That's It fun. was great.
1: Yeah. Cool. We saw When Harry Met Sally. Oh, thirty, 30- nice. And it was super fun. And, um...
3: The crowd was probably into it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, Yeah, it was a perfect crowd. That's a cool thing that is only, like, I grew up in Florida, so moving to L.A., loving movies, you're, like, there is, like, magical elements to it. Seeing a classic movie with a full theater who, like, want to enjoy it Mm -hmm. is something, like, I never thought I'd experience, but, like, yeah, going to the theater to see Jaws and, like, hearing people scream and laugh and all this stuff is, like, it's pretty amazing it's something i think you take for granted living in la
1: let me recommend if you're down for for the communal classic movie experience the the i've talked about it a bunch but the cemetery does the screenings all all summer long but their july 3rd screening is always kind of like a fourth of july they'll they'll do a fourth of july one as well but the third tends to be like a little off kilter they show fireworks and it's always like a movie that you haven't seen in a while, but you're excited to see again. This year
0: they're doing Thelma and Louise. It's going to be a blast. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, we got tickets. Did you? Yeah, are oh, you man. guys
1: going? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, we'll see you
0: there. Yeah, and they yeah, they launched the fireworks. Like I saw um, Dirty Dancing last year, oh, and fine. they launched the fireworks, you know, right when he picks up Jennifer Grey. <laughs> so great. And so it's like kind of this perfect
1: I saw Jurassic Park thing. there two years ago, and it fucking tore the roof off the place. There isn't a roof, but... Metaphorically. Yeah, (laughs) it's the best. Cool. Cool, man. Um, Well, mine actually is uh, straight out of Oren's school of thought, actually. Um, It's a YouTube channel, Cinecom.net. So it is like a VFX tutorial channel from like some Swedish dudes. It's all pretty rudimentary. It's mostly, you know, the short answer of like how they like do an effect is like, and, you know, it's a quick composite. <laughs> Basically, it's like put a green screen behind this and then shoot a plate. But it's like um fills that void of like the way that old Fred De- Freddie W videos used to kind of just teach you fundamentals on VFX in a way that like is totally tangible. You can totally do it. Most of the effects they do are in Premiere. So it's not even an After Effects situation. And it just kind of helps you um remember like to unlock that part of your brain a little bit. You know, like, oh, yeah, there are some really simple, straightforward ways to, like, do these VFX. And then you have ownership over um, that effect and more complex ones when you're in the field, you know. I feel like so often a producer will be like, well, that's a VFX shot. We can't do that. I'll be like, no, 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 don't worry. The editor can do this one. I can send him a goofy video on how to do it. If he doesn't know, he does, you know. (laughs) Um, So cinecom.net. And they're, they're relatively entertaining, too. There's like a bunch of, like I said, like young Swedish dudes.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, uh, awesome. Um, if you guys want to leave us a comment about the show or ask a question or let us know how you're feeling, um, leave us an iTunes review. We're uh, Just Shoot It on iTunes. Or you can email us, just justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Everywhere we'd love to hear from you. Twitter, of course, uh, and on Twitter I'm at Smitty and I'm at Mr. Madalou. This episode
1: was edited by Christopher Robert Gray. Our site master is Ewan Williams, and this
0: episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. And the music is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Check out our Patreon, patreoncom slash pod. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye bye. Now let's
1: hop into our conversation with Dane dane and shane no no with spiegel and siegel with spiegel and shit <laughs> shit it's a real tongue. spiegel of... and... and now let's hop into our conversation with dan spiegel and shane no fuck and now let's talk into our now let's hop into our conversation with dan siegel and shane spiegel do me a favor tighten that up and post guys thank you